You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Unbelievable! Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. How the hell is that, little man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. To a shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. Okay. Okay. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown six pass touchdown of the game. day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I'm Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, the first joint practices of camp are in the books. We'll get you caught up on Dolphins-Falcons Take 2. We'll hear from head coach Mike McDaniel, quarterback to Tungavailoa on the week of work, plus more camp evaluation discussions, and a heck of a lot more from Bradley Chubb, Elijah Higgins, Javon Holland, and more, more, more. From the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is the Drive Time Podcast. Same setup today, defense far field, offense near field, and we moved inside at the end of practice. And let me tell you how appreciated that was with the weather being what it was. It's very, very hot out here right now. Uh, red, z- red zone work once again got to go inside to allow for utilizing both ends of the field. And the offense in that period was right underneath us on the platform, defense on the other side of the field. So again, a better view of, of offense all day long. We'll break it down position by position best we can once again, but full transparency, it is difficult to get detailed notes on that far field. So really, I mostly have splash plays. Not going to have any technique or certain, you know, innocuous type of plays that I usually like to put on the podcast here, especially with the offense happening simultaneously right in front of you. It tends to catch your eye and it did for me here once again. But generally speaking, I thought it was a similar day for the offense. Inconsistent, some good splash plays, good execution down in the red zone. But by and large, probably not the finished product that you're ultimately looking for. Luckily, it's August 9th and it means how much? Well, Absolutely nothing. Both Coach and Tua talked about the progression of camp and the purpose of these days and the ultimate evaluation not coming down to a specific day, but rather the entire body of work. If the goal is, um, you know, average, then I was super pumped. Um, the, uh, I, I really like joint practices for the sake of um, I want everyone's best effort. Uh, the tricky thing about it is, and as I've learned over the course of my career, you know, so what, what if the offense had the greatest practice in the history of all practices? Um, or, uh, uh, or the opposite happens, it's the worst practice. What does that mean for today? And that's kind of my point is there, there was stuff that irritated me. There was stuff that pumped me up. Um, we, we did, uh, physically strain through, through some heat, um, against a new opponent. Um, uh, the main f- focus to me is, was that practice purposeful? How do you make it purposeful? Um, y- your approach today, and it's not the same mistakes. Um, you know, that we have procedural penalties. Um, I'm hoping to not have any today. If we have some, as long as 
It's not the guys that did it the day before. I can work with that. It's when yesterday was a waste, then, then it's a bigger issue. So, um, you know, I was, I was happy that we worked, um, you know, for where we're trying to go. Um, I shouldn't be really happy with any practice in terms of the, okay, I'm, we're good. It's not like that. Um, you know, last year we – Philly is a great example. We practiced against Philly, and that was the first time offensively that I think that we felt um, all 11 people executing simultaneously. And, you know, no one scores a practice, but if you guys were to say, hey, um, they won that day, it, it wouldn't sound crazy. Um, the Eagles went to the Super Bowl. We did not. Um, but that was a very important practice for us because it was the first time that we clicked, um, I thought, and it, it led into the first drive of the preseason game. So yesterday, um, I like the fact that guys were straining um, and very annoyed at the result. That means we're in a good spot. I'm going to just keep going for the next half an hour. <laughs> and so anyway, about today's practice is more important than last. I was curious about this because through the first, you know, eight practices, Tua hadn't thrown a pick in team period, 11 on 11. We've now seen four in the last three practices. So I asked him, is it beneficial to have some negative plays on tape to give you a chance to really correct it and, and visualize what not to do in those instances? Here's QB1. Yeah, I think you have a lot to correct when you have more negatives than you do positive. Obviously, you want to have more positive, but... It's good when you have a joint practice. For us, in the quarterback room, looking at it from the outside in, we didn't have a gauge on what they were going to be running or what to expect. We had one day under our belt, and so the second day we did come out, you know, there were things that we wanted to try. You know, So when you do go into the game, should you try it again? Like, Should you not try it? That's you know at your discretion. So I, I, I think it's... It's good because you, you learn so much from those things. But outside of that, you know, you just continue to keep moving forward with it, keep playing. And I really think that that answer right there gives you the context you need. There's no studying for a practice opponent. If your script that you've generated without any thought about how the defense might play you is matched by what they want to work on, then it just is what it is. Like if they have the game plan to take away what you're going to do, it's going to be a rough day from a practice standpoint, but it gives you the exact look against that look that you might run into in the season to, to go back on and, and study and prepare and be better for it. It goes back to what I talked about with pass rushers and double teams. You don't see protection scheming in practice. So we're never going to see, for instance, Jalen Phillips face a double team. It just doesn't happen. I want to go back to Coach here on this because I think he has a little more detail about just that and how you balance the idea of running your stuff and keeping stuff close to the vest in terms of showing your cards on the offense Here's coach. It's something that you have to kind of be forward thinking. Um, I'm very aware when we have fan days of uh, technology. I'm very aware of um, stadium practices. I'm very aware of joint practices. Um, there, there's a balance, um, and and for me, uh, I'm less secretive um, than I think I would have thought I would have been early in my career just because um, 
you know, they if, if the if the offense is constructed the right way, um, everything has a, a a counter to it. So um, at this point, uh, we have to get good at stuff. Um, I probably hide less, but there's definitely stuff that that you don't you don't want to um, put on tape, especially if you're iron iron the kinks out of it. So um, it's a fun balance, but for the most part, um, we're just trying to create situation create um, situations that are competitive within offense that we do do, so that um, with the idea being you get to evaluate guys and guys are put in difficult positions um, like a game or hopefully more difficult positions. It's pretty fitting to me that they did not get response work to the stuff we saw the Chargers do last year. And what I mean by that is the stuff we talked about in the podcast earlier with the the solutions to the issues you might face with taking away the bread and butter, that middle-of-the-field passing game, the timing rhythm offense that Tua and Tyreek and Jalen were so sharp with. And again, to reiterate this point, we really haven't gotten much of Tua, Tyreek, and Waddle together. We certainly haven't gotten those guys with T-Set on the offensive line. So you still have not gotten the Dolphins' full complement. And I don't want to use that as some like prevailing excuse because there's going to be times in the season when you don't have all those guys and you know good players elevate you know all, all boats or all tides or something like that, gold jacket, green jacket. And we just haven't seen that yet in the practice field, at least not for more than a couple of snaps. So I think it's important to get that context out there. And with regards to the you know what the Chargers did to the Dolphins' offense last year was the best game plan against Miami and it forced them to do some other things, and they didn't hit the splash play opportunities that were there for them, like the deep ball to Tyreek that he lost in the lights or whatever that was. And so while the Dolphins did push the ball to the perimeter, I don't think they executed it well enough. They, 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 can, they can do that with their answer, but they have to be sharper than they were today. They got some, but I think it will only serve to make them better because now they can rep it more and have immediate solutions to the things that gave them issues in a practice that caused, you know, last year in season games and a two-week drop-off in production. Because again, remember, it was just those two games and then one quarter in the Green Bay game. So I I think it's all going to be beneficial in the long run. I I just keep thinking about the Eagles joint practice comment when things kind of click for this offense, you know, all 11 guys working together on the same page. And it's, you know, yeah, it is year two, but you have to go through the same building block. You don't just start back at a certain level of, you know, we're, we're at level five compared to level one. Like you, you can be more advanced, but you have to go through those paces to begin with. Because I also remember the Bucks practices when it was touchdown city in the red zone. And, and in general, just a really good two days of work up in Tampa Bay. So what does it all mean? Well, like Coach mentioned, it's about what's next. You might recall after a really strong camp last year, the offense had a very sluggish start against the Patriots. Just scored 20 points against a Patriots team that, you know, wasn't great last year only scored seven in the first half against Baltimore and then had the best performance by a quarterback in team history since Dan Marino was here so it clicked you know third quarter or fourth quarter of that game so in the end it's about what's next I guess that's the point here I don't know I get it I used to really let these reports affect me you know the practice reports sway my thoughts about the team and maybe even affect the whole day in terms of oh Ryan Tannehill had a bad day of practice I'm sad now but also in hindsight I should have known the reports I was reading and taken the context with those with a grain of salt. But now I think I feel like I have better up understanding of the journey and what they're really trying to take from these practices opposed to just saying, like, pick bad, Travis sad. <laughs> That's funny. That made me laugh. Speaking of last year, I wanted to ask, too, about the comment that Coach has made a few times now in practice, or I should say his, his pre-practice media availabilities, about the journey. 
And by the way, when you get like NFL films, like yearbook story next year is totally going to be the Dolphins. Something about the journey, just based on the words we're hearing this year. But about how things click at different points for different guys. Do you remember a specific time, Tua, where things clicked for you last year? Here's the Dolphins quarterback. I'm not too sure when when I felt a click or when it was, but I was really dialed in on just trying to figure out the like how the offense was ran, how Mike wants the offense ran, who Mike is as a play caller. I I, I was just dialed in on on all of that and not not worrying much about how my play was. I just felt as if if I go through, you know, how Mike would would expect us to go through progressions, go through reads we should be fine just find a completion wherever it may be and get the guys going and for posterity coach also touched on that when he was asked this morning about Mike White here's coach he's uh he's had a really cool couple weeks um just getting used to everything uh the quarterback position um you're in charge of the ball every play and you have to tell everyone their assignment so that's there's a lot that goes into that um which is one of the numerous reasons that I reserve judgment because I'm, you know, such a level-minded, um, you know, adult, mature guy. And uh, w- with him, um, you know, his his personality off the bat, um, he exuded quarterback confidence and um, and and really developed relationships with his teammates and you've seen a steady progression of more and more plays and more and more confidence to operate within the timing of our specific offense so he's doing a good job um, as it relates to the preseason game um, there's still a, a hardy practice today um, and again uh, I, I like to let the players um, determine things um, on the field Whoever um, does play uh, uh, before the other p- player um, in the preseason game from the quarterback position, um, that won't suggest that that person is um, going to be to his backup. Um, it will be um, based upon the reps, opportunities, what we think is best for, uh, for the guys. And then in true competition form, um, it will probably flop the next week. So, Let's talk about those quarterbacks here to kick off the practice notes. I thought Tua was pretty damn precise in the red zone 7-on-7 seven seven session. I thought there were a few really nice throws sprinkled in, including one where I loved his footwork under duress to get off the spot and put himself in position to kind of spring load his, his step that takes him out of the pocket, and he kind of you know, springs out of that position into a free space, you know, away from the rush, attack the line of scrimmage and throw the ball outside to Robbie Chosen with a defender closing over the top and a defender getting depth from underneath to kind of shrink that window. And Tua just layers this ball into a perfect spot. And Robbie Chosen has it just beyond the outstretched arm of the defender, but he couldn't hang on for the catch. Uh, The red zone seven on seven period was a good example of some quality placement, including another shot to Chosen to really settle him down into a soft spot for a touchdown and protect him from a collision if it were live, of course. But I also thought there were some not so good, especially the final sequence in two minute when it was incomplete, a well-contested throw to Ahmed, a ball to the perimeter to Braxton Berrios that he left way too far inside to give the DB a play on the football. And it was a far hash throw and 
look, he made that exact same throw to Waddle last year when Denzel Ward was in coverage, like a perfect ball. He just missed on this one, and it wasn't picked, but it was it was broken up. Whoops, sorry about that. Uh, also had a pick to Jalen Hawkins, who was camped in the middle of the field, and Tua tried to throw one of his quick anticipation throws where I thought, like, oh, he sees something, but the safety was right there the whole time and didn't move. It was a bad pick. Let's just call it what it was. I thought Mike White was pretty good today. He had a nice rip in that same 7-on-7 seven seven red zone period where he put the ball into a tight window for six. You can see it on our Twitter account at Miami Dolphins. He also had three of the four consecutive touchdowns in the indoor red zone period. Now, two of those, one from Mike White, one from Skyler, were complete buffs with Tyreek Hill and Julian Hill left all alone, like literally all alone. I'm not sure what the DBs were doing, but they both took off to the wrong side of the field and left receivers wide open. The other was a good throw to Higgins, allowing for him to angle towards the front pylon, and the ball placement helped him make the transition from route runner to ball carrier. Love the way Higgins got into that transition and beat the defender for six to the spot. Skyler made the best throw I've seen from him all camp, and not just by like his own standard, by any quarterback standard, a pure dot. There were six seconds left in a two-minute drill, He had four consecutive completions to put them at the 40 or so yard line, three of those to Chris Coleman, who I think had one of those NBA jam, he's on fire moments because he came off the pile or after the catch one time, like screaming at the defense, talking about like, you know who I am now. Uh, Back to the throw, Skyler gets off his spot and attacks the line of scrimmage, fires a strike into the end zone with two Falcon defenders converging. It splits them and finds a diving Devon A-chain for a long touchdown. The entire team ran down and celebrated with a rookie. Very cool to see. Maybe the play of camp so far and a good way to conclude a strong period after a day where, look, this Falcons defense has been rebuilt. I think they might be pretty damn good. Like my takeaway from these two days, I know who the Dolphins are. I I know what they're going to be this year, but I think this team could compete for the NFC South crown with that division being what it is and a strong defense and running game. Before we take our last break, let's go ahead and hear from Tua who touched on the other two quarterbacks, Mike White and Skylar Thompson. I see a lot. Um, I got the utmost respect for for both of those guys. This is going to be the second year that Skyler's um, in the room with me. I mean, I I know Skyler. Um, We have a lot of um, animated conversations about football. And then just getting to know Mike White as well. Mike White's very smart, you know, in the quarterback room. He has a lot of, uh, he has a lot to say um, as far as input as well. So it's really good to have both of them in there. Let's go ahead and take the first break there deep into the podcast. We'll come back on the other side and get my chat with Elijah Higgins. Plus, we'll hear from Bradley Chubb and Javon Holland. All that next on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Hey, guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. we got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay. So you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah. Like check out these hair. I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. (laughs) Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, (laughs) do you you have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot and now he doesn't. Mm -hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot. Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self, and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. 
And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. So a football game on Friday night, but the joint practices are commonplace across the league. What's the benefit of those? Let's go ahead and hear from QB1 on just that. I think the one thing that's really cool about joint practices is it almost simulates game-like situations where you have first down, second down, third downs. We had red downs. We have two-minute situations. I think the cool thing about it is that, you know, everyone's getting their adrenaline going, and you, you never know what's going to happen. You know, you, you get a fight out there. Like, the biggest thing for us is we're trying to move on to the next play and, like, try to, try to, get, back, try to get back on track as, like, fast as possible. So, like, not letting the last play dictate how we play the next play and how we're going to move forward as an offense, like, for the following play. So I, I think that's, that's what makes these joint practices good is that it simulates game-like situations, um, and game-like feelings before you actually go and you know, go out there and compete in actual games. All right, enough quarterback talk. I mentioned the play by A-Chain. Just about every day we get something from him like that. He is so much fun to watch. And, uh, yeah, don't let people tell you to not get excited about rookies because this rookie looks pretty damn good to me. I thought Savon was excellent today. I love Savon Ahmed's game, man. He had a bunch of catches in the passing game, had a really nice lateral cut, you know, takeoff for a chunk gain in 11s, then had a beautiful touchdown run down in the low red zone that kind of reminded me of the Buffalo Bills run last year where he, you know, wiggled around the block and did some moves and powered his way into the end zone and did a little dance for us. Uh, I had a great view of that. Made the unblocked man miss the point, like schemed up unblocked man, which, you know, when you're running back and do that, it really benefits the offense in general. And it's not like tag off where he, you know, he tagged off and that was a missed tackle. He made the guy whiff completely. Picks up a block from Isaiah Wynn and slices his way into the end zone and does that dance. We had two guys exit practice today. Uh, They looked okay to me, but I don't know you know, anything medically. Alec Ingold and Jalen Waddle both walked off on their own. More on uh, both of those guys later. But Waddle looked like he fell on the football, was down for a moment, but then popped back up and walked off. And then Alec Ingold walked off on his own and, and didn't even be accompanied by a trainer. He just walked off into the building by himself. So we'll find out more about those guys, probably from... I guess McDaniel post game. I don't know when they'll ask him that next. Uh, I thought Chosen had a really good day today, including a catch and run where he worked his way around some blocks on a screen and like picked his way through and, and got in. I didn't know he had that type of shiftiness in open space. So if he can pair that with the long speed and he's really come on here, I think things have clicked for Chosen here after I've been kind of hard on him on the podcast. He also got open a lot in the earlier red zone period. Has some had some catches in the full field period as well. He's been. He's making a case to push his way up the depth chart, I think. Uh, Tyreek did a backflip after scoring a touchdown. He also dunked one over the goalpost. I mentioned Chris Coleman having a nice day. And same with Elijah Higgins moving to the tight end position now. In fact, let's go ahead and play my chat I had with Dolphins tight end Elijah Higgins. A one-on-one here with Miami rookie tight end. So uh, I, w- I wanted to ask you because, like, I mean, from my naked eye, it seems like your growth as a blocker has really come a long way from day one. To now. How would you describe the way you've kind of grown that way? Yeah, I mean... I feel like I'm getting to a place where things are really starting to click slowly, and I'm like, okay, I'm actually kind of understanding this a little bit more. Whereas early on, it was just like, I don't even know what I'm looking at, just because I've never been in the interior before. So I definitely say, like, it's just becoming a little more, like, not necessarily natural yet, but to the point where it's starting to click, and I'm feeling it click a little bit better, just understanding what the front is, understanding what my job is. Um, understanding the, the run concept and where the ball is trying to get inside outside of me. So a lot of it's really starting to click for me, just the more I go back and review film and review the installs and whatnot. So 
it's coming together. All the motion and, and split flow this offense does seems like it kind of gives you an advantageous situation with angles. You kind of feel that same way from the tight end position. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's still piecing it together. So I mean, the first step was obviously like learning what the for, what the motion was in the first place and now it's like learning okay how does this motion piece into what I'm trying to do or trying to accomplish so like I said it's just kind of puzzle piecing together as I learn more and more and as I get coached up so are the routes from that inline position still pretty natural in terms of just you know coming off the football or do you feel yourself kind of having to think first before you yeah I mean it's different just because you have I mean if you have a nine tech or six tech trying to release if you're in three-point stance I'm still getting comfortable coming out of three-point stance something I haven't done much of uh but often there's a lot of times where I'm either in a two-point stance or a true receiver stance on third downs and whatnot. So, like I said, it's coming together, and I'm just I'm just proud of my growth so far and I'm happy that I have somebody like Coach Embo who's really pushing me every single day. Like, he's always honest about stuff, so I'm, I'm happy for that. Tanner had mentioned something that you mentioned as well, that, you know, when you're lining up in line, everything you're looking at is completely different. Mm-hmm. When you're at wide receiver, what are you maybe looking at pre-snap and then when you're in line? Yeah, receiver, you're really just looking at the shell, to be honest, trying to get an idea where the coverage is. And then when you're in line, you're looking at the end, the Sam, the Mike, looking at those, your little triangle there. So it's just things I never looked at before um, and just starting to slowly understand and for it to click together. Yeah. I appreciate it. So with, uh, with Durham kind of being the old head in the room, how has he kind of taken you under his wing and, and played that mentor role for Yeah, you? no, they've been very open to uh, to helping us. Like, if we ever have a question, like, we ever need some help, we, as younger guys, definitely feel like that, that help is there. Um, obviously, taking it upon ourselves to answer our own, own questions where we can, like, with insults and stuff. But, I mean, all the guys in the room have been very helpful. A lot of the guys, TK has played for a while. I think TK is, like, 31, so he's been in the league for a while. Hey, watch yourself. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, no, I think he literally is like 30 or 31. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, and then obviously Durham, this is, I think, his 67th year, so a lot of knowledge there and guys that have actually played the position, not only in the league, but for a long time. Um, and obviously it's brand new to me, so just using all the help that I can get has been it's been very helpful for you mentioned, sure. Uh, Coach Embry earlier. How would you describe his coaching style? Yeah, he's on you, uh, and sometimes you feel like it's kind of attacking. But uh, the more I get to know and understand Coach Embry, he really just wants you to grow. He really just wants you to understand like what he wants and why he wants that. Um, everything that he says really does help, and it's really just understanding what he wants. How he's coaching, and then when we're in the uh, we're in the film room, he really breaks it down to the point where you can really understand what's going on. But I mean, simply put, like one of the best coaches I ever had, to be honest. The way he pushes us, what he expects from us, even being a young guy, like it's definitely very helpful for the growth that I'm going through right now in this process. Yeah, one more. I uh, just wanted to be curious how, how you feel these two days as an overall offense went for you guys in terms of the growth you showed or just the overall competitiveness. How do you feel the two days went? Yeah, I mean, the first day I feel like we came out a little, a little rough. There was some rough edges, but today I feel like we kind of pieced it together a lot more. Obviously, as a rookie, you don't really know like what to expect, what it looks like as your first year in the league, but today I felt like we really did a, a decent job and put things together the way we were supposed to. I like one more. How yeah, excited you to put the uniform on and go across the street and play your first NFL game? I'm excited, man. I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you. That's a stand alert. Travis has a new uh, player he's going to stand. I love Elijah Higgins' game, and I think he's he's a very good player. I think he the way he communicates and just the way his mind works, very bright young man. I thought the offensive line had some real vigor to it today, and it began with Rob Hunt, who still made it a Falcons pass rusher. I didn't see the number on the guy. It's so hard to evaluate two teams in practice when you don't know numbers. Like You can talk about units, but individuals – like. 
I am so quick with Dolphin stuff because I know everyone's number. But for the Falcons, man, it's tough to get that down. But uh, he tried to extend this rep where it was over, and Rob was like, no, nah, I'm good, man, and chucked him and threw him to the ground. That was cool to see. Fans got excited about that. But it starts with T-Stead, man. He was exceptional. In, in limited teamwork he had, I saw him seal a lane on a good run from A-Chain. A lay chain? A chain lane? That's cool. I saw him throw a snatch and trap, which is where you kind of – you know, if they if they try a bull rush, you, you get distance and then you snatch him by the jersey and throw him to the ground. Did that very effectively. I saw all I needed to see from the big fella. He's ready to go, man. Stellar player and uh, looking forward to having him week one. Over to the defense. Again, it's not easy to see at all, man. But the general takeaway on the defensive side was I thought they got after it. Let's go ahead and hear from Bradley Chubb, who talked a little bit about the front seven and the camp they've had so far. I'm excited about this front seven, man. We got a lot of great talent, man. A lot of good guys that's playing for each other and playing together, you know what I mean? And uh, I feel like last year kind of we didn't – with me coming in late, we didn't jail, and I, we got a whole offseason to jail and understand each other, how each other rush, how each other play off each other and stuff like that. So, uh, like I said yesterday with the front seven, I feel like we did okay, you know what I mean? But we had to respond today, and I feel like we did that. And um, it's going to be fun just to see us keep building, keep building, face that adversity and build off that, build off that, and build off that. So, like I said, enjoying the process that comes with it um, and, and just taking it day by day. Taking it day by day, I just might eat some clay. I just may. My favorite part was the Falcons' ones versus our ones in a two-minute period where Desmond Ritter completed a pass to Mac Hollins for like 15 yards. They get up on the ball, and they snap it, and Jalen Phillips condenses inside and steamrolls the center. This guy can brush the edge, and he can steamroll the center. Just runs him into the quarterback, and Ritter steps up right into him, and Phillips kind of just like wrapped him up because Ritter came into him, and Phillips said, like, all right, rep over, sack, and then came off the pile and was fired up. Then they went quick again, and Chubb this time beats Jake Matthews off the edge, who never gave an inch all day. Matthews is a great player, but he gets beat by Chubb on this play and tripped him. Flag comes out, back him up, was it 15 yards, and then they threw a check down, end of drive. So those are your closers, man, Chubb and Phillips. I also asked Chubb about the idea of playing that closer role as a pass rusher. Here he is. Similar mentality, man. We're just trying to get after the, make sure that big dogs, like I said, got to eat, want to close the game out. Uh, everybody on the team is looking to us to do that. And they might not say that out loud, but that's how we take it. That's how we uh, wear it on our shoulders and we make sure that we live to that standard every day. This is a quick aside, but I thought it was worth playing because I talk about it all the time and since I had him for media availabilities. Just wanted to ask Bradley about the emphasis of setting the edge in the running game. Man, we just want to be disruptive as possible. We call ourselves the, the big dogs, so big dogs got to eat, man. You got to set the edge. You got to earn your way to the, to the quarterback, and I feel like setting the edge and stopping the run is, is the first way to do that. So um, we got to make sure that we do that each and every play. And when it comes down to rush, uh, we know that's, you know what I'm saying, that's our strong suit, so we just got to make sure we uh, maximize the best of our abilities. Also on the front, Sealer has been really good these two days. Handful of plays, and it's it's been three phase, like sacks, run stuffs, batted balls. He's a really good player, man. Mitchell Agude had a would-be sack on Logan Woodside. I saw Van Ginkle have a few plays against the run in this practice as well. He and Malik Reed had a really good fit combo where B. John Robinson tried to dissect and, and pick a gap, and it just wasn't there for him because 43 and 47 were both there at the same time. So good work from the front seven again. We've got DBs to go, including audio from Javon Holland. That's next, Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield. Brought to you by AutoNation. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. 
I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe will win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because they ain't it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's kick off the final segment here with some back and forth with Javon Holland, who talked about his relationship with Vic Fangio, how excited he is to have a guy like that here in the building, and then how he measures the defense's progress in these joint practices. Three straight answers here from Dolphin Safety Javon Holland. Yeah, it's going well, man. I just I, I'm trying to get every ounce of knowledge out of him. You know, he's a individual with a a big well of knowledge, and um, I'm trying to learn as much as possible. Honestly, how he sees the game, you know, what things need to improve. Uh, he's very level-headed. Whether it's a good day, bad day, whatnot, he's always level-headed. So as a leader, I'm trying to really you know learn from him because um, a lot of guys follow him easily. It's not hard to buy into his program, to his thought process, because he is a hell of a coach and he's got a hell of a mindset. So um, it's a it's a great experience for me. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Anytime somebody that knows ball um, to that level is like around you, you just want to ask as many questions as possible. Always asking him like what he's thinking in between periods, like what he sees, how I can, I can improve. Um, yeah, like I said, like I'm trying to bring as much knowledge out of that child as possible. So, uh, you know, it's a it's a great opportunity for me. Um, I think you have to play, take it rep by rep, just, you know, execution-wise. Uh, a lot of times things get, you know, competitive and, you know, temperatures rise and guys trying to make a play, you get out of, you know, out of placement. But, um, you know, I think today was good. I think it was a good learning experience for us. I think, you know, both days was good for us. Uh, I think, um, you know, playing ball at a high level against your own team is one thing, but playing against somebody else, uh, you know, adds that level of competitiveness that makes people really, like, you know, puts more fuel in your, in your tank. Um, and I think that's what, you know, the joint practice have done for us. And so as a defense, it's good to get that, you know, that type of energy, you know, feel how it feels to hit somebody else. And so that's, you know, that's, that's basically my thought process on that. Speaking of the safeties, one had a pick six in today's practice. Rookie Keedron Smith on the far field really did a good job keying the quarterback and driving on a short throw, picking it off and taking it back for a six. A really impressive play for a rookie who I think has had a pretty strong camp so far. And the DBs were playmakers really all day today. Noah Igbenogany. Oh, the Noah train is, is off and, and running once again. He had a rep that I think really exemplifies the growth he's made this training camp. It's the two-minute period. They throw an end breaker that he drives on and is right there to disrupt the catch point. And legit thought he was going to pick it off, but the quarterback, whether it was intentional or not, put the ball on the back shoulder of the, of the receiver, the back hip, and the receiver makes the catch, but Noah stays right with it and rips the ball out. And the officials ruled it a fumble. Verone McKinley comes in there and picks it up and takes it back for six. And that's... Two touchdowns in two days for McKinley, but Igbenogany's feel is just so much better. And that that's it, really. He just looks way more comfortable. He's making plays. He's in the right spot. He's not covering grass. He's pinning guys at the perimeter when he has a chance to. Had a really good rep on Kyle Pitts and red zone work today that I tweeted about that uh, folks were pretty excited about. Elijah Campbell had another pass breakup. X did too, and Cater never gets targeted anymore. That must be a good sign for him. He's been excellent so far this camp. Oh, yeah, special teams note. First one of all training camp, I think, so far. I'll give you two, actually. Jake Bailey's punting the ball pretty damn well. He already won the punting job, obviously. Jake Bailey, Dan Feeney. Savon Ahmed blocked a punt as well. 
Uh, or he would have if he didn't pull up at the last second. So there you go. Those are your practice notes. We'll have a podcast coming your way tomorrow. Mike Cunha is going to be my guest from CBS Miami. We'll do my uh, 10 camp takeaways so far and a bunch more for you guys there. Then I have a game recap on Saturday morning after the late night Friday night game. Check out me, Seth, and Juice in the post-game show, iHeartRadio. We go on the air right after the game concludes. Two hours with you guys talking you through the first Dolphins game of 2023. Until next time, though, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at WingfieldNFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out that Fish Tank podcast with Seth and Juice. Check out our YouTube channel for media availabilities, Dolphins Today, Drive Time and Fish Tank content, and so much more. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Caroline Cameron, Daddy's coming home.